All right, we are out for a walk today. Um, a little bit of wind, a little bit chilly, um, but I'm looking forward to the walk. I am going to guess I'm not going to. I was going to walk with my pack today, but it appears that my dog wrecked my pack. So, I will simply walk on my own. Um, it's a beautiful winter day. The, uh, Maybe 10 degrees. And uh, I have I've steered away from making this podcast an overtly religious podcast. Although, I, I mean, I hope that if you're a regular listener, you, you recognize that my faith is a huge part of my life. Um, I, can't, I can't keep it out. Um, and that is prob- probably as it should be. If your faith is part of your life, then it's not an option of sort of segmenting your life, compartmentalizing it. But I also believe very strongly that your faith ought to be primarily something that people notice, not something that you self-identify. And one of the problems with having overtly religious content is it it amounts to um, sort of self-identifying. It it bumps into the question of, you know, what if somebody is doing the things required by a particular religion? And somebody is talking about doing things. Well, I guess the religious could say, yeah, it, to, to, to be doing something and to know what it is you're doing and being able to identify what it is you're doing would be a good thing. And I wouldn't argue with that. But then it comes to the issue of like, well, what if... So, so if one is better... So, so if... Let's say it's... Let's say... Let's make up a number. So let's say it's 10% better to do what you are doing and be able to articulate what you are doing than just be able to do what you're doing. So if you're a Christian, it is better to do the things that Christ commanded and be able to talk about them than to just be able to do them. Well, I would say, yeah, that that appears sort of self-evident. I think so. So let's say it's a a 10% difference. So it is 10% better to to live the, the 
dictates of Jesus Christ and know what they are enough to be able to talk about them. Well, that would then... I don't exactly understand how you couldn't make the calculation then that if you could talk about them and fail to do 10% of them, you would be equivalent with the person who did them all but couldn't talk about them. And that's illustrative of sort of the, the breakdown. It's like, okay, that isn't true. It would be better to fully fulfill all of the instructions of Jesus Christ and not be able to talk about them than, than to be able to talk about them and only fulfill 90%. And then you run into the problem of, well, then, then what's the point of self-identifying your religious affiliation? And the answer is that probably articulating your goals is a good thing, but having participation in a group based on your ability to articulate that goal may be the problem. That's the functional conclusion of my life, is that, that that's a functional conclusion of my life, is that religion is All right, hopefully I can find out where to stop so that I can take that out. So my functional conclusion about religion is that not only does it need not need to be organized, I, I go one step further and say it needs not to be organized. I would suggest that you you ought not to be attempting to construct a religious structure for anything larger than the self. And I'm sure that there will be plenty of people to to oppose that. Um, and it would be gratuitous of me to point out that most of the people who are opposing that are somehow vested in the system that supports them, and that doesn't mean it's true or not, it just means that they have a higher standard proof, I would say. So, I have avoided overtly religious content because I don't want it to be, um, what I say, to be taken to be part of establishing a specifically Christian enclave or organization or church or something. 
But today I'm going to deviate from that and I'm going to talk about something um, that was presented to me for, you know, probably the 20th time in my life. Um, but today, listening to it, it, it came across in, in just an excitingly new way. Um, I went to the church this morning, and I have made... Uh, I, the first step is I made... Going to church was an absolute... And, and then at a certain point in my life, I, I made going to church the default. But I told God very specifically that I was available um, to do the work of His kingdom on Sundays just as much as any other day. And from that um, purpose of, of my intention um, that I started working out, I ended up being very involved in a church and drawing some conclusions about it. And one of the one of the biggest is that the church, I am convinced, cannot be the kingdom which Jesus Christ is talking about. Because I, I cannot construct any way in which servants are the greatest in any organization. Um, and, and Jesus says very clearly that the greatest in the kingdoms are the servants. So, that, so there has to be some structure of the kingdom that Jesus is talking about that allows servants to be um, servants to, to uphold the highest rung in the hierarchy. And I do not know how to design that hierarchy. Um, and, and so, again, I've talked about this in podcasts. I, I believe that, that servanthood being the highest um, hierarchy, the highest rung of hierarchy in the desire to transcend to a kingdom of heaven. That I can make sense. But I cannot design a human organization that, that puts, the, puts servants at the top. Um, and, and somebody can accept that challenge and, and try to explain to me how that how that could be. But for that was my next conclusion. And and now I am toying with the conclusion that even further. And I am frighteningly capable of making an argument that the organized practice of religion is at war that is the enemy of the kingdom of heaven. And all I can tell you is I'm going to continue 
on investigating that. I, I, that's not a conclusion. That's that's an argument that I could make, but but it's also an argument that may be full of a lot of flaws. It's just frightening to make it and realize something that you thought was basically good may not be. And so maybe I have I haven't been as aggressive at pursuing that argument. But one of the reasons I don't have to be aggressive about proving that argument or validating it is that I am free to just explore um, what what I want to have happen in my life. I, I don't have to defend my life to someone who claims that I have to be a part of the church or something. And so I'm grateful for that. So why was I at church? I was at church simply because um, some of my kids, I speak of kids as a group, I have grandkids and uh, children and others living with me. Um, and so I'll just simplify it by clumping them all together as our, our kids. Some of our kids like to um, like to dress up. And church is a good excuse to go someplace looking your best. And there may be more to that, but one of them said, hey, we could go to church this week. And I said, sure, let's go to church this week. When we got to church, we were, we were uh, listening to a sermon. It was from the book of Ephesians chapter 4, if, if you want to go dig into it. But, but the idea that the pastor presented to us was the idea that, that you would... You would daily put off your old man and put on the new man. Which is based on um, the verses that talk about putting off the old man. And one of the first things that I, I, I noticed is that the terminology talked about the old man sort of being trapped in sin. And it was an interesting enough turn of phrase that could easily be ignored and had been all of the other 20 times that I have, probably more than that in my life, that I have have studied and, and heard sermons about this passage in Ephesians. Um, it, it was... It was just enough to make me say, hmm, well, well, that's interesting. Sort of the idea that you are, you are caught in a pattern of sin. And I realized that that is, that should have been obvious to me much sooner. I remember being very young and being told that Oftentimes, the word for sin in the Bible is missing the mark. Now, as I recall, there are several other ideas of sin. Um, the, the next biggest one is, is the idea of doing something which is against God's moral law. Okay, and, and so that would be an idea of sin, which is you know, doing something that is wrong. But the 
But the most common reference to sin refers to uh, an archery term that means missing the mark. And, and it, as I thought about it, it confirmed to me an idea that I've had for a long time. It confirmed to me the idea that, that nobody wants to sin. At least in that sense, nobody wants to sin. Nobody wants to miss the mark. That, that the, the mark, your aim, your goal, describes what it is that you are hoping to, to reach. There's no one who would say, this is my goal and I don't want to reach it. By the definition of the word goal, it is something you desire to reach. I want to the highway at this point, so I'm going to try. It's a problem we have car noise, and I will take the car noise out of my, my reco- recording, but it means there's awkward pauses, like the pause that I maybe just erased right there. So, um, bear with Bear with me. So, to, to say I have a goal and I don't want to reach it is to say it's not a goal. To, have a, to, to say I am, I, I, I am aiming for the mark, intending to miss it, then that isn't your mark. So, the idea that somebody would desire to sin is fundamentally in that sense, you could desire to to break God's law. Okay, that could happen. But the idea that you would desire to sin, in the sense of missing the mark, is is a, a logical impossibility. And I have suspected that before this. And a long time ago, I put forward the, the hypothesis that our sin amounts to wanting something good in the wrong way. Um, and, and I think that, that that sort of fits the idea of missing the mark. Is you're, you have a goal and something gets in the way which is one method of missing the mark. Um, You would be focused on something, but something easier comes up. And and so one of the examples that early on presented itself to me in this hypothesis was um, moral um, sexual sin. You know, that, that what you want is not wrong. It is not wrong to want sexual relations. For a young man, that's a, that's a big thing. But it's not wrong that you want it. It is a, a correct desire that you will be tempted to fulfill in the wrong way. So, I believe, I believe it's still accurate, that God has designed us for that desire to be fulfilled nested within a commitment. 
and surrounded by the context of a family. So that if the consummation of that sexual relationship produces a child, that that child will come into this world within a family. And, and I see that as a, a terribly important responsibility to give that child the best opportunity. They need to know who their mother and father is absolutely. Um, and that they need to, to the best of their ability, be raised within that ideal. And the only things that would sort of justly interfere with that ideal would be something as severe as death. Okay, I, I believe that, but, but my, my point is then that to look at sexual desire as wrong, as a wrong desire, is incorrect conceptualization. What you would look at it as, I would suggest, is as a, a moral desire which has the possibility of being filled in an immoral manner. Or, if I were to use the, the missing the mark conceptualization, is that you are aiming at the ideal and something gets in the way of the flight of your arrow. And so instead of hitting the target, you hit this bird that's flying across and, and you miss the mark because something, something easier or something extraneous came up. So that was my hypothesis, and, and I added to it as I, as I encountered Scripture by seeing things like the, uh, it says, do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And I realized, okay, that's an explanation of, you know, what you desire in mood-altering substances isn't an invalid desire. It's just that the shortcut of using um, of using substances is a an improper way of fulfilling that desire, um, and so that that was my that was my hypothesis, and then as I encountered it today that hypothesis gained sort of a, a profound addition as I realized nobody ever sets their sights on missing the mark. If you didn't set your sights on it, it wasn't the mark. So it caused me to look at the, the structure of this idea of you needing to put off your old man and put on the new man. Put off the old man that has been corrupted by sin and put on the new man. Now, let me speak just briefly about the what I see as negative about that conceptualization because I want to finish 
with what I see as absolutely glorious. What I, what I see as negative about that is that what you begin to say is that you are forever at war with yourself. There is part of you that wants the wrong thing. And you are required to take that off and put on a you that isn't, you aren't sure is really you. That, that you basically then are admitting that, you're admitting that you will never not want sin. The only, the only possibility is for you to find the uh, strength, uh, the, the willpower to tear away part of you and pretend it isn't you and to pick a new you and embody that new you. Now, we're going to talk about that. Um, that was originally what I had planned to talk about today until this topic came up. But that, that process of saying, I will never not want to sin. And the me that wants to sin is always going to be there and always have to be taken off. I find it's a really discouraging conceptualization. And so while I was sitting in the pew, um, not paying a great deal of attention to what the pastor was saying, um, my apologies, but what I, what I began to see is, well, what if the old you isn't, isn't a you that loves, loves to break God's law? What if the old you is the you that missed the mark? And so, so imagine it, because he was suggesting that you start the day putting on the new you. And I, I kind of like that imagery. So, so imagine you yesterday. You had, you had aims. You had goals. You, you were shooting your arrows of your life at certain targets. And some of them you hit. And some of them you missed. You sinned. You missed the mark. But why did you miss the mark? Well, that's an interesting, an interesting question. You know, some of some of the things that you set out as your goal may not have been achievable. You said, "I'm going to start running three miles a day," and you didn't. And you failed. And a lot of times we do that. A lot of times we we, we decree for ourselves <coughs> a, a grandiose plan, but we can't achieve it. Well, so you missed the mark. That's clear. You set a goal and you didn't achieve it. But on the other hand, tomorrow, the, the new goal in which you, you maybe should produce is a goal that suggests you get out and at least walk a half a mile. So there you would actually change your mark. Other, 
other marks that you missed maybe were a, a matter of you simply not ruling yourself well enough. You decided you were only going to have two Oreos after um, for, for your coffee, and, and but instead of bringing two Oreos, you brought the whole package, and then sitting there, you talked yourself into eating a third and a fourth, and then a fifth one as you put it away. Okay, well, that was missing the mark again. You had, you had all of these things where you wanted to rule yourself, and you didn't. And, and so you have this, you have this you that is full of failures. But you have one other thing that happens. You've divided your personality. Now this is a negative thing. I think it's a it's it's a real. Um, I talked about atonement. Um, of Jesus coming and, and that the root of atonement seems to be at one moment, making you whole. Why? Because when you miss the mark, your personality divides, or maybe it's your psyche. Some part of you divides because there is the you, there is the you that said, I'm only going to eat two Oreos. And then there is the you that said, oh, what the heck, I'll have a few more. And which of those is the real you? Well, I don't know. It, it is, is the real you the one that said only two? If so, the you that said, oh, what the heck, I'll have a couple more, should be judged very harshly. Because that's attacking who you really are. But there's also the you that says, hey, it wasn't that big a deal. It's just a few more Oreos. And what you make it a big deal about? And if that you is right, then that tyrannical you that's telling you you can't have any more ought to be taken down. It ought to be toppled. Who let him be the tyrant? And you're torn. And you are divided into two people. Now, I think that that happens, whether whether you realize it or not. You don't know which is the real you. And by your personality, um, you may be inclined to judge yourself really severely for failing. Um, or you may be inclined to say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. I mean, you, you can have all different reactions, but you are continuing now as, as two people, and then that two people splits again, and you're, you're this collection of personalities. What if, in, in this passage in Scripture, Paul is suggesting that there's a solution to that? Instead of dividing it up into the real you and, and the, the false you or the right you and the wrong you, he says, why don't you, why don't you divide it into the old new and the new you? And, and you could put off that old you. You could say, that's who I was yesterday. Yesterday I was somebody who was prone to sin and I was prone to setting 
um, highfalutin marks I should have known I couldn't reach. And I was prone to judging myself severely for not hitting the marks that I didn't really think I could hit. And, and I was prone to, I kind of made a mess of me yesterday. But on the other hand, I had a few successes yesterday too. I had a few marks that I hit. Well, some of the marks that I hit turned out to not really be the marks I wanted to hit. So, so even there, there's some room for improvement. But there are, at the heart of it, a, a few things where I did what I intended to do and it turned out right. So what am I going to be tomorrow? Am I going to be whoever it was that I used to be? I might leave that interruption in. That's a, a snowmobile passing me in the ditch. So, so who am I going to be tomorrow? Well, I'm going to be the new man. I'm going to put off that old man with all of its mistakes, with its lessons learned, and with its successes, and I'm going to envision a better me. And that better me is going to take the successes from yesterday and try to continue them on. And it is also going to design my, my goals that I'm aiming at, so I might be a little bit more likely to hit them. And, and it, I'm going to change some of those goals I reached and say, well, maybe that wasn't really what I wanted. Maybe I, may, maybe I thought that was what I wanted, but there's something I want more. And I'm going to take off this old man, and I'm going to put on the new man. And this new man, if, if you read the passage, this new man is... It's like this new man designed by God is a little bit the idea that it, that it has. And, and so I know it has lent itself easily to the idea of it's this holy version of yourself that God has. And, and I don't think that's necessarily a wrong interpretation, although the conceptualization may be flawed. I think it's possible that what it is, is this, this better version of yourself. And saying, okay, tomorrow, or waking up today, I am going to be this, this, this incrementally better version of myself. I don't, I don't want to set my sights so far that I will miss the mark. There's only so much sin I want to encompass. So I, I, I've, I've made this better version of myself a realistic better version of myself. But at the same time, I'm putting off the old man without having to, without having to say I'm throwing away half of me and trying to continue on with the half I want and get rid of the half I don't want. I, I don't say, I don't admit, hey, I am totally into this, this 
moral failure. That's what I want, but now I have to stop wanting moral failure and want what somebody else says that I should want. Instead, I am saying, okay, that was the old me. It was, it was sin. And, and, and I may need you to repent. Some, some of those marks that I missed, the reason that I missed the mark was because I was careless. The reason I missed the mark was because I was lazy. I, I may need to repent of some of those marks. And on the other hand, I may need to repent of some of the marks I set. I need to say, I was shooting at that target not for me or anything I want to be. I was shooting at that because I thought I would impress this person or that person or any number of things. Which is an exciting, to me, it's a very exciting thought. That, that what, for most of my life, was conceptualized as this evil me as opposed to this good me seems like it fits the conceptualization of, of the scripture in a, in a dramatically different way. That what I am allowed to do is, is to put off the old man. To, to set that old version of myself aside and to to be reborn into a new man to to be two things there is what I am and what I am becoming and I guess to, to realize that that what I am or what I was through the day has some value. But what I am becoming, what I am becoming, that is where the, that is where things get really exciting. It's not that I am this evil version of myself and this good version. It is that I am this broken, somewhat obsolete version. Maybe evil, that's possible too. But that I am trading that in to become something else. I'm trading that in to become a renewed version, a new man. I hope that's exciting. I hope that being a better version of yourself can become a, a passion with you. I think that you could get advice about who that better version of yourself should be, and, and maybe the, the religious stories of, of your tradition or my tradition can help inform that. But you know what? If you aren't sold on anybody's particular version of who that better 
person should be, then, then just decide to make that choice yourself. I don't know if I know what a better version of myself is. And I don't know that I'll get there, and I don't know that I might have chosen the wrong things. But I know this. If I decide that I don't want to be better, I know that I'll go down. I just opened a whole new can of worms about conscience. I've talked about it before, but I guess I'm I guess I'm done. So let me let me wish you happy trails and I just hope that because of this tomorrow you will put off the old man, the old person, the old version, and you will become that better version of yourself. A little bit. Just enough that you can hit the mark. Have a great day. Happy trails to you.